Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Name drop. This is a dream come true for me. This is a dream come true for like nine, ten year old Brian McFadden. Yeah, there you go. So growing nine, up in Omaha, Nebraska, where like skating was on. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. so I. First of all, um, welcome to Name Drop, welcome. Scott. Scott Hamilton. We've had. Wait, this is, can we start it off? With yes, let's do that. Go ahead and grab your. So bell. we have bells here. Yeah. Every time you hear a name drop okay. or anything, you're more than welcome okay. to. Right. Officially, Scott Hamilton is the first name right. drop yeah. on Name Drop <laughs> right. today. But right. I think there's one more. Like, there's probably someone a little bit more important in your life. Mm. Um, Jesus. That met yeah. somebody yeah, named Christmas. Ham Scott Tatanovich. Yeah. Back in. 1900 and Ham Scott Tatanovich. That's um, the that was the, the year, year you met your wife. I met my wife. Yeah, yep. I was wearing powder blue tights. Yep. I did a, a ballet comedy because everybody was always like everybody I competed against in skating where they were doing all these big classical things and this opera and all this stuff. And I go, all right, I got to do it. So I did an opera comedy the year I got cancer. And then um, a few years later, I go, I haven't done ballet yet. So we picked Don Quixote, which is this ballet. It's like cliche, right? Yeah. And it's the most repetitive music you've ever heard. And we made it more repetitive. Man of La Mancha? It, it's just sort of like this. It was a dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, right? So it's yeah. the most repetitive. And I made it more repetitive. And it was this thing. I wore this. It had a huge cod piece, which you know, <laughs> that might Who have doesn't been, at this that point? That might have yeah. been what yeah. sort of caught Tracy's eye. <laughs> so Tracy but, is Tracy Hamilton is mm-hmm. your wife. Oh, oh, here we go. That is probably the <laughs> most <laughs> important name outside of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. that you'll drop today yeah um on, She's, on name yeah drop. yeah we were doing a show in memphis we used to um we used to benefit saint jude at target house target mm-hmm, house saint mm-hmm. jude and um uh, the son of danny thomas um is Margo. tony thomas Oh, and son, so yeah. Tony invited Tracy to come as his guest. I thought it was a date. So I just sort of... Uh, you thought they were dating. I thought it was a date. I, and I thought Tony's dating. This is yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this is really good because he went through a really rough divorce. And I thought, okay, he's getting he's getting back on the horse. This is great. And so after the show, I saw one of his air quote guests by the production office. And I go, I got I to gotta check her out. So I checked her out. And I've been kind of on hiatus at that point because I, I had cancer. And I just felt like I needed to work on myself a little bit. And so... Um, um, yeah, and, and so I, I just sort of went up to this girl standing by the production office that I knew was Tony's guest, and I met her for a minute, and I was like, ooh, what was that? My heart jumped a little bit, uh. and I go, maybe I'm ready to get off the bench. And so um, I thought, okay, maybe now it's time, after you know this little time of not really wanting to get in a relationship, maybe it's time to open myself up. Little did I know it was going to be her. 
So she, I was living in LA and then she, I was playing golf with Tony and, um, and I, and he was on, on the phone. I go, is that the girl from Memphis? And he said, Tracy. I go, I don't I have no idea what her name was. You're just, like this hot blonde. He goes, did you yeah. like her? And I go, I, I, I kind of thought she was amazing. And he goes, no, she was just a guest. She's like my little sister, but, uh, do you want her number? And I go, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so you call you so you you so no what happened then was i went to a barbecue and um this nut job absolutely my favorite person at sherwood country club um there we what's go what's his name jimmy melton okay jimmy melton was a caddy there and i walk in and he's already having a blast at this barbecue and he goes hey my cousin was supposed to come tonight made other plans i go who's your cousin she goes, tracy no that's your cousin and he goes yeah my our mothers are sisters and it's like and I met her through Tony. Yeah. <laughs> so you're getting two endorsements now. Now getting not only two endorsements, but he had her number in his phone. So we made the call that night. And then it, it was about, I had, from there, like she was going back to Tennessee to get all of her um, stuff to bring it back to LA. And I was headed to Christy Yamaguchi's um, wedding. This is the best name drop ever. <laughs> yeah. I was headed to her wedding. So I was, we we're going to be out of town. So, we didn't, so three weeks later, we, we went on our first date to uh, Nobu. Uh, it's actually Matsuhisa and Nobu's there, and he, it was kind of really cool. It made, made me look good, and um, and we just hung out there for a couple hours talking. We've been together ever since. What so, kind of great feeling was that when you're like, oh man, that girl's really cute, but she's with my buddy, you know, whatever, and then suddenly, oh no, are you interested? No, I, on see, ice right I, now. Yeah, I, like I live like totally open hand, not clenched fist, yeah. and so I look at that as like, oh, okay, I'm now getting permission. Right. To kind of like open up my heart again, you know, and just sort of just be open to it and see what happens. What, the was first that nineteen ninety seven about your cock no, piece? No, ninety seven. I got sick, and it was um, it was actually there's the crazy thing, it was on the third anniversary of my diagnosis. So it was two thousand. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so two thousand. That, yeah. that is crazy. So you you guys met in in two thousand. The reason why I say this, Chris, is because <laughs> you're a married man. You guys are both married men. But in it's interesting in his book, Finish First, in chapter three. He gives himself a dating profile. Ah, my dating profile. dating profile. And this is what it states. Short, bald, half-neutered, chemoed, radiated, retired male Ah. figure skater of unknown ethnic ethnic origin seeks uh, seeks a beautiful, intelligent woman for long walks, laughter, and an interesting hobby of collecting life-threatening illnesses. And an interest in my hobby of collecting life-threatening illness. So, yeah, it's like, you know, that short, bald, half-neutered. Chemo, radiated, surgically repaired, male, retired male figure skater. It's like that's just like who wouldn't want that? Not, but not one mention of the cod piece. That's uh, what no, I, no. I would have thrown that in there you don't immediately. Even need to bring it up, honestly. Yeah. You can see it from space. <laughs> one of the seven wonders of the world. The world. Scott Hamilton's yeah. cod piece. But you, one, you're um, our first Olympic gold medalist. Oh wow! There we go. 1984, uh, Syria, oh, mm-hmm. um, Yugoslavia, the former Yugoslavia. Yeah, that was crazy. And, and uh, you're the first four-time world champion that we've had on the show. Oh, there we go. Yeah, four-time. There we four, go. But it wasn't just four-time; yeah. it was four in a row, which has yeah, never happened. Yeah, I went undefeated for four years. Was it 17 I, like, and 0? 17 in a row. And it's what's really weird about that is I was always kind of last place guy. Like I would come in last at nationals. Like mm-hmm, yeah. first time it came ninth out of nine. Second time it came ninth out of ten. Then I went up to junior level figuring what's the worst thing that can happen i was seventh out of nine and then um my mom uh said she's got you know she was sick with cancer and she was so happy about it that i just thought okay because uh, you didn't say the C word back then, right? Mm-hmm. And um, but she was just not wanting us to be scared, and so um, that she said we're broke, and so this will be your last year in skating. 
And I was a senior in high school, and I said, okay, I'm not really doing much in this sport anyway. Yeah. No one will miss me. If you're not playing hockey. Right. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I, that, that, that year, my coach, my main coach retired, a new coach came in, and I ended up winning junior nationals. But she showed up at nationals, this big smile on her face, having just had her left breast removed and mostly inside of her left arm. And she was wearing a wig because um, her hair fell out with chemo. And she had just, she was joyful. And I was like, what are, what are you on it's like, these are serious drugs, yeah. obviously. And she goes, no, I'm just, I'm, I have my arm in an arm brace because I don't want anybody running into me. It's so mm -hmm. little tender. I go, and I love the wigs. You know, she's, she was really super positive and optimistic. And she was just happy. And she goes, well, you just skate. We'll talk when you're done. On her way to the Nationals that year, she met a couple in Chicago that wanted to sponsor my skating. So she knew, even though I was so She still, was like your manager. I was last place guy, right, still. But you didn't think... There was a sponsor. And in, she had a sponsor, like, up her sleeve. Didn't tell me... I won junior nationals, mm -hmm. like as last place guy. So you went from ninth place to first place. Like basically seventh to first in that in yeah, that yeah. division. And then I um, I had a second life in skating and called it the trifecta. Um, I I was 18. I'm now fully sponsored, and I got my first apartment. And, uh, of course, what do you do when you're 18 years old and you get your first apartment? <laughs> but so when you, cause in your book, Finish First, you were talking about, like, like how you, you know, become 18. You're now this mature adult. But are you really mature adult No, at no, 18? 18. No, I was, yeah. it's called the trifecta. Yeah, yeah. It's an absolute recipe for disaster. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't even know how I made it to nationals that year. I was unfocused. I was completely whack. I was out of shape. And um, that would be the last, comp I came in ninth. You know, it was awful. And and uh, I'm, I'm really good at ninth. And so um, that would be the last time my mom would see me skating competition. But there, there was no burnout, like, after 18 years, like... You know, you know, you're doing it, you're seventh out of nine, you're ninth out of nine. There was no time where you're like, you know what? This, this sucks. Like, no, I'm tired I, of waking I up early. I love skating. I really love skating. And I always thought that if I could, like, get a gig being an ice show comedian, mm -hmm. like in one of the traditional shows, oh, yeah. that'd be the greatest thing ever. That's like my first ice show ever. Um, I, I, the only thing I remember was Freddie Trankler, and he was this comedian, and he was little like me, and he was just hilarious. And I thought, if I can do that, mm -hmm. I can. That'd be the greatest gig yeah. in the world. Well, you were driven by that because at a young age, you you stopped growing. Mm -hmm. Like you, what, and they still have no idea what that was, right? Well, they it kind of they figured it out. Okay, I think it's a ninety nine percent chance that it was the tumor, brain tumor that I was diagnosed with in 2004. Um, basically, I was born with it. But you know, you think back to the mid late sixties. The last thing you want them to do is find a brain tumor back then because right. they had no capacity to do anything about it except cut your head open and dig in there and mess up your whole life. So um, when, when they found it in 2004, whatever, for four years I was in hospitals, I started skating, and, and all my symptoms went away. They couldn't figure out, A, how to diagnose it, they, so they didn't. Mm -hmm. And they just said, go live a normal life. And then I was living a normal life, and then... Um, you know, I started skating and, and I started to grow again and everything started happening. And it was really weird. And then when I had my first son, um, I decided that I'd been on the road forever for 20 years. And I was Aiden, said, right? Aiden. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm, I, I get to be a dad now. I get to, mm -hmm. I get to, cause I never, as an adopted kid, I never saw flesh in my own flesh. So holding this kid when, it, you know, in his first minute of life and I'm looking into my own eyes, it was like crazy. I go, okay, I'm done. I want to be a dad. I want to see his first steps, hear his first words. I want to be there every day. I've earned this. And so I, I just decided to stop skating. And so I did. And, and, um, it was, 
in that being a dad and being home, I just started feeling like something's wrong. I just feel down. I just have no energy. And so I got some blood work done. They said, you have no testosterone. Like hardly, I, we can't even detect it in your bloodstream. It's like, wow. And they like, go, because, did you not know because you were crying for no reason? You know, all these no, I just, levels? I just didn't, I, I was just, I, you know, I'm a super high energy person. Yeah, yeah. I had no capacity to get out of bed in the morning. Mm-hmm. I just started I just, crocheting everything in your house. Yeah, it was, it was like, weird. This makes no sense. Yeah, and, and it was, um, so I decided that I, you know, since my cancer, I was telling everybody, you know, be vigilant. Mm-hmm. Get If men especially, we're not bulletproof, you know, don't mm-hmm. be banging your chest. You need to get out and find out what's going on. So I, I decided to practice what I preach. And they said, your blood works off. We think it's probably a long-term effect from your chemotherapy. No big deal. We'll treat you topically. You'll feel better in yeah. a few weeks weeks. It's like, no, there's something more. And so I kept asking questions and they finally put me in for a head scan, found that I had a brain tumor. Um, they didn't really know how to diagnose it. We did everything possible for a week. And, and then they went in, they uh, cut a little hole in my head right there. And they went in and they, um, they took a piece and they came out and we didn't know what it is. Yeah, it's a craniofringioma. Like, who doesn't know what a craniofringioma yeah, is? Wait, can you yeah, obviously? Uh, yeah, I can, but it's going to take a while. Um, sounds Siri. like... Siri. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. And then it was just... Um, they, they gave my wife a piece of paper that said everything you know about craniofringiomas. You know, cranios for dummies, right? And it said, oh, listen to this. Craniofringiomas are usually found early in a child's life due to a lack of growth and development. So, wow. so, so that's a 99% yep. chance that that was what yep. uh, kept me in hospitals for four years as a little kid. Did you think, because when you were nine years old, when you started, I started to skate and then you got to 13 and then you were trying to figure out if this is going to be something that you're going to end up doing. Grew up in Ohio. Yeah. And, and your family had no money. No, we were son school of professors. Yeah, yeah, school teachers. So there was, there was like, that was it. And then 1977, your mom was diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. And then, uh, she passed in 99 or 79 and it was after that that i i just decided that i had enough of being a loser and so um i just uh, i took her with me to the ice every day mm-hmm. and um i was just became like ravenous i couldn't i couldn't work hard enough it changed your whole path whole path and the next year i was third in the united states mm-hmm. 11th in the world and then um two years later i'm on the olympic team going to lake placid and I came in, I thought if I came in eighth, I was winning the lottery. Mm-hmm. Came in fifth, um, went to world championships after that, came in fifth. And then I figured, wow, this is great. I'm fifth in the world. Wait, wait. And then I realized the top three guys had retired after that world championship. And all I had to do was wake up and I'm ranked second in the world. That's a pretty good cup <laughs> of coffee. That's a nice little boost, right? Yeah, yeah, good. So what do I have to do to come in first? And that's kind of like that whole finish yeah. first thing is what do I have to do in order to kind of rise above? And the year that I fell five times at nationals and came in dead last in novice, um, the kid that was third in senior men as a 12-year-old <laughs> was the guy now I had to beat. <laughs> and you guys oh, wow. are pretty good friends, right? Yeah, we were best friends. Yeah, and, yeah. and it was um, he was really good at figures and I hated figures. Mm-hmm. So I had to change my relationship do you think you can get guys like myself and i mean i got two left feet and you get guys like chris at our age to like get, get on skates yeah and do a few things 100 percent. yeah yeah I mean, because i would say that there's, there's anybody that that um can will someone to do it It'd definitely be you all the things that no it's easy through. it's it's what the thing is is you've got big muscles that work when you run and you walk yeah. and you do all those things right what's what's not really quite developed yet are the tiny little muscles that coordinate the big muscles so once you teach them that you strap knives to your feet and you're now trying to like navigate navigate those it's really amazing how those little muscles start going Oh, and they kick in, and then pretty soon you're skating without even thinking you can about skate. it. No, I mean I can, I cannot fall down. 
If that's what you mean, there's not <laughs> well, like a yeah. yeah. Hey, and you're like better me than me because I've fallen forty one thousand six hundred times on the ice, so you're way better than me. And you count them all? <laughs> no, I just started. That's, that. that's a low average. Low, okay. you know, going back over the years. Now, how did you? I'm trying to figure out like when you when you loved ice skating. Mm-hmm. You know, your whole life you loved ice skating, but wasn't there some time where you're like, well. This seems like there's a shelf life to this. This seems like I can only do this because you. Like, what am I going to go on? Yeah, I mean, I felt like if um, I never felt like I'd be competitive, and then I was, and then after I turned, like after I, um, I won my fourth worlds, I was like, I'm I'm living in my best friend's parents' basement. It's like I, I have no money. I'm not. Were you really? It was no. No it was, sponsorships. Nothing. It, no, you couldn't because it was amateur. Oh, because back amateur. Then. That's right. That's right. And yeah. so I go. I got to get a job. So I joined the ice capades, uh-huh. and that was really fun um, <laughs> yeah it was really fun it was just a big atmosphere of just you know lots of people and tons of girls on tour a lot of really fun you know crew guys were great some of the cast members were awesome and and i learned how to do show skating on on that tour i learned about lighting i learned about production i learned about pretty much everything you need it's like when you if you ever going to be an actor you got to get your you know your equity stage card thing yeah, yeah. You so you got to learn stage you know yeah. like production design yeah. and like so i kind of did that when i was in ice capades and then i had two year gig with a third year option and i never missed a show never missed a press call and the president of the capades came to my last show on my second year and i'm thinking here's my option year and i figured if i skated two to four years i'm fooling a lot of people or at least i'm working hard enough to kind of stick around and he just told me that they they're going through a sale and and the new owner only only wanted women that is crazy too because you 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 mentioned um i read a lot about you before you came in (laughs) sorry but no but i I, but you mentioned that he would sit in the mezzanine to listen to the crowd yeah that was really cool because his way of gauging whether someone was worth worth you know keeping around the cheers was yeah what the response was from the audience so he would sit around just around the corner and he'd listen to the response and if it was nothing and tepid at the end it's like well they're disposable but you know i was doing really well like i was getting standing ovations i wouldn't believe and, that uh, you, you, and it was great and, and no backflip guy yeah but it was <laughs> yeah. really fun that i figured i'd never miss a show i skated at the top of my game i was growing i was learning i, I just I, I i and then he said no the new owner only wants women and you're done so good luck and um and we and my manager, you know, did everything he could to get me just anything. It's kind of sexist, don't you? Think? Well, what's really weird is then my manager said, um, "Hey, do you want to help us start a tour?" And uh, his name was Bob Kane. He's the greatest one. Like, there we go. Yeah, and he he. Okay, here we go. Here's where it starts. Okay. So he, yeah. I'm gonna put, keep this closer. Uh, mm-hmm. So. Um, I didn't know really who I wanted to manage, you know, because I was really picky on coaches. So how am I going to pick a manager? And so I met with him, and he goes, "Well, I I'm, I look after the tennis division at IMG," and I go, "Oh, who do you look after?" And he goes, "Bjorn Borg." Mm. I look after Chris Everett. I look after all these. And I was like, "You're my guy," because I was yeah. a huge tennis fan, especially Bjorn Borg, and I thought Chrissy was amazing. And so I go, "Okay, you're my guy," and he goes. Okay, so um, we just started working together, and then he got me the Ice Capades deal, and he and then when Capades fell apart, he goes, "You want to help me start a tour?" And I said, "Sure." And so we started a show called Stars and Ice, and uh, and it just it blew up. I mean, everybody wanted to be on that tour because nobody really wanted to skate like in a show with you know kind of 
um, skins, you know, meaning yeah, like yeah. I was, I skated with Ewoks, Snorks and, um, and, uh, what was the other one? This is like an eighties lineup for like cartoons. Yeah. 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 Smurfs, it was all the cartoons. Smurfs. Yeah. Smurfs. Smurfs. E- yeah. There was Smurfs. There was Q-Bert. Smurfs, Snorks and, uh, Ewoks. And so it's like, everybody's like, well, uh, and then you have to do three shows on a Saturday and you get, you just get burnt out. And so we we set up a show where we could be like rock stars, right? We could just go out and do five cities a week and, you know, really get, skate at the top of our game, skate however we wanted to. We weren't part of a big machine anymore and we could just do whatever we wanted. And, and it was amazing. Everybody wanted to be with us. Well, it sounds awesome because, you know, you've learned so much about not just the skating part of it, but almost like what he did and listen to the audience and see what they react to. And you, that effectively helped you create something incredible because it was funny. I was going to ask that that had to make sense that now that's kind of your thing. And that's what you can do because there's people love ice skating. They Mm -hmm. love to go watch it, but it's way more entertaining when you throw the comedian guy or you throw other things out there where it's like a whole circus on ice type show mm-hmm. and and you know so how did that really like help you moving forward with these projects well it is skating at that point it was a really cool um when you think of you know peggy fleming winning in 68 and then, and then dorothy hamill in 76 and those two back to back kind of like launched you know and every are doing television specials do you think a lot of it and hairdos and all the other a stuff lot of that had to do with the fact that um winter olympics was like in the united states was just ice hockey not ice hockey but 1980 Obviously, we won the, the yeah. Olympics, Michael Ruzioni. And- but it was always figure skating is always the anchor sport, yes. right? Yeah. So when you've got medalists coming out of the United States, there's a lot of interest, especially when they're <coughs> stunningly gorgeous. I mean, when you look at like a Peggy Fleming, it's like everybody just sort of drools and she's out there and she's skating so beautifully. Mm-hmm. And it's like she captivated people. And she was the only Olympic gold medalist in Grenoble from the United States which is really weird. And then you look at, and that was the last event, right? So, um, and then you get to Dorothy Hamill and then, and so people started getting really interested and it became this big thing. And then 80 happens. And then the, you know, winter Olympics just sort of vault into this because of the hockey team. And because Mm -hmm. Eric Hyden won every single race and Linda Fradiani, uh, wins a a silver medal. Charlie Tickner wins a bronze medal. Uh, Ty and Randy who are, um, world champions had to pull out to injury and you had all these like medalists everywhere and then the team was really strong right then you go from 81 to 84 and now all of a sudden you have Katarina Vitt coming yeah. on board and you've got Torvald Dean coming on board and you've got Brian Orser, Brian Boitano. You've got all these people that are starting to come into their own and they're building these fan bases and more and more people wanted to see them in, like you would a musician or yeah. a concert, right? You want to be in the same room. Yeah. And and we were selling out arenas all over the country. It was amazing. Well, and like you said, people like winners. Yeah. You know, especially America. Now we have stake in the game. Now mm-hmm. we've got ice skaties isn't just something that we go and the Russians are going to win. No. So, you know, maybe don't even put that on prime time or anything. Now we have Americans that are going over there and, and crushing great. it. Yeah. And, and falling in love with you, with, with these other people that... Well, and it was really funny. We were a 30-city tour. The first year we went out, um, Dorothy Hamill um, was on the tour. And it was like, you know, the Hamill-Hamilton thing. It was kind of like, we were able yeah. to sell that. We got a brand new sponsor as a, as a brand new company that was just launching called Discover Card. And they came on as our corporate sponsor. Figuring we're new, they're new. 
let's just make let's do you put still on have a, show. a discover card uh, i you know i don't <laughs> um but what happened was um we did 30 cities a year and it was really doing great and we we're starting to generate bigger audiences and then i get um CBS now gets the Winter Olympics, and because Dick Button was on ABC, um, CBS, now I'm their CBS guy, right? So they put me with Vern Lundquist, and then um, with Vern, he and I just, we went out and we were just figuring out how to do Olympics, right? And it was really fun. We had a great time, and I learned, and I grew. And Christy Amaguchi wins the Olympic gold medal, and they said, what's next for you? And she goes, I'm joining Stars on Ice. Yeah, wow. Well, oh, that's, 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 that's a plus. It's like no. Taylor Swift. Yeah, then we you know. went to a 60-city tour, and then 12 in Canada. And Canada was already growing anyway, but it, it became... I mean, we, could, we couldn't sell enough tickets. And, every, and everybody, Paul Wiley, Kurt Browning, mm. everybody, Twirlin' Dean, Katarina Vitt, everybody wanted to be on tour with us. And we just, we became this huge destination for people. And, and that was kind of like the epicenter of skating's greatest popularity since Sonia Henney, right? Mm -hmm. And it was um, because there were so many familiar names and Gordy Evan Grinkoff and all these amazing like, people from all over the world were joining Stars and I. I was just going to say that. So, <clears throat> you know, you think about the Olympics, it's a one place where, you know, it's just a mecca for everybody coming T together as one, but you kind of continued that. Not kind of, but you did. You continued that with Stars on Ice. And and you know the thing is, is who'd want to be? In, who'd want to be in my show, right? Because I was the founder, and it wasn't. I was like, no, this is collaborative. And right. for the first six years, we, the skaters would all come together, and we'd all pitch our ideas, and we'd decide on whose ideas were the best, and that would be the show. And so it was really. Very, it wasn't quite a democracy because I, I, I got the last word. <laughs> it was it democracy was, till it got to you. But it was really great the fact that I was a big fan of everybody and I, was, I wanted everyone to win and I wanted everybody to be at the top of their game and I wanted everyone to be invested and I wanted, and so it was really cool how um, they, they would come with really outrageous ideas that were just you know going to push the envelope and and it was awesome. It just it kept growing because the skaters were so motivated because they weren't working for a big machine. They were working almost for themselves. Right. Michael Jordan, he, his nemesis was uh, Isaiah Thomas. Would you, I don't know if you, you watched The Last Dance. Or yeah, like that, yeah, he but, wouldn't do the Olympics. Yeah. So Isaiah so he's, Thomas is so, on there. And he's like, oh, that wasn't me. you know. But obviously, we, got, we, we know. We saw yeah, it, yeah. Um, especially if you were a big fan of basketball back then. Did you have anyone that you didn't want to come on Stars on Ice? You know, I always kind of, I, I didn't want anyone coming on Stars and Ice for the gig. For the wrong reasons. Just to be, sure. a, just because it's a gig. I wanted them to come on because it was an opportunity to take their skating to another level. Mm -hmm. And I, what, what I'd always tell the skaters, and it was really true, especially in my, my particular case, and for many others, is when you, when you join a traditional show, right, you are a depreciating asset. Mm-hmm. You were. Mm -hmm. When you join Stars on Ice, there's a really good opportunity where you could be an appreciating asset. We're meaning that once you're in and you're you're in, you're part of this the, the crew, and you really start showing your stuff, and you become a vital entity to the show. You're probably going to make more money next year than you did last this last year, and you could grow your career that way. With other shows, you have a shelf life, and then you're next. You're because it, it's very corporate. This was more of an opportunity to really grow your career and and to, and you know my heroes weren't skaters necessarily. You know, like my skater, my my like if I could just have the blue collar work ethic of Bruce Springsteen. 
right? Mm. If I could just have the joy of craft and that showmanship of Neil Diamond, if I could just have that bravery and that, you know, that honesty and integrity of Robert Plant, then like that's the way to build a career, right? And so that's kind of what I wanted to do with my skating. Want to be a rock star. I wanted to be a rock star. And so in our way, in our own little tiny way, we, we, we kind of were, and it was fun. It was really fun and it was hard. But it was fun. Whoops. So, I just dropped my so Tanya Harding made the, the list. You're the first one to do that. Yeah. Tanya Harding made the list. She wasn't like, it was like, yeah, we'd love to have her. No, because I saw, like, I don't, I don't, whoops, I keep dropping the don't purple bell. Don't be nervous. Bell, I'm the purple bell. We have I'm many bells. Just... Because my leg's too small now. Um, but, you know, it's like with Tanya, you know, she really had a rough go. And a lot of it was self-inflicted. Like, we can look back at the toughest parts of our lives. And if we don't take ownership of mm-hmm. it, then we're, yeah. We're not really looking in the mirror, right? Yeah. So, you know, I, I saw a lot with her that, you know, she, you know, over the years, she she didn't really show a lot of gratitude for the people that were behind her. Like the woman that sponsored me sponsored her for a few years, and there was just never any acknowledgement or any gratitude. So, um, you know, that was not probably the best investment, right, for my sponsor who was just trying to build human beings. They, she really wanted that gift to be looked upon as an investment where that gift now gets multiplied, right? Where, like, so in my case, like, my parents are both school teachers. I grew up in Northwestern Ohio. There really, there was never an Olympic path for me. Um, but thanks to Helen and, and Frank McLaren, I was able to continue continue skating. And and for her, it was like she was investing in me to be, to for me to reach my potential so that that investment would mean something long term. And so I look at her as sort of a role model of, that's why I do the work I do in cancer, to honor my mom, but it's like entrepreneurial. And why do I do, why did I do that? And how do I do this? And how do, you know, Kurt Browning, um, when he, um, when I retired from Stars and Ice, you know, he was, he and I, you know, it's more than friends, more than brothers, you know, just sort of like, there's something about he and I that we're just, we're so much alike, right? The way we approach our skating yeah. and, and he just, all he said, uh, that I, I, I decided to, you know, last, last tour was thanks for the Porsche. <laughs> no, because it was like, yeah. because everybody, everybody elevates, right? right? When, when, you know, you, when you build something really strong and really cool, it draws more and more people to it because they see the spirit. So getting back to that other question, it's like, who doesn't belong on the tours? Those that would look at it as sort of a means to, like, if it's only a gig, if it's only a check, if it's just checking a box of like, well, I want to skate, but where am I going to skate? No, if you want to join Stars on Ice, you're going to be around what I call my family. You're going to try to find a way to take your skating next level, next level, every you, year, next now, level. Now, did you ever have, did you ever have any time where it was like the Spider-Man with great power comes great responsibility where you felt, you know, look, I've made it through all this stuff in skating and stuff. There's some point where I feel like you know, with the Tanyas or with people that you could see were lost or you could see that, sure, they were treating, if they were treating people the wrong way, that you needed to step in and be like, hey, listen, you know, this is, this is what we have. I've been in your shoes. I've been in your shoes. I know going forward, you know, you may be thinking this way, but you kind of have to pivot. Yeah. And think- well, there was one skater in particular. I'm not going to, this is one name. I'm one not name gonna we drop. won't drop. Um, yeah. And it's like, you know, your career is pretty much... It's 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 gotten so into this one repetitive thing that we really feel like we can resurrect your career because you're so gifted and so talented. Come join us, trust us, and we'll 
we're gonna we're gonna invest in you. We're gonna bring you up. We're gonna, you know, really just you know try to give you an opportunity to take your skating where it always should have gone and where it got stuck in a cliche. Right? But what did Nancy Kerrigan say? No, no, it wasn't <laughs> no, Nancy no. But it was it was one of those things that's like, thank you so much for this opportunity. Oh um, yeah, showed up with the same number that they were doing for years, same costume, same everything. It's like what. And we, yeah. I realized in that moment, it's like, we can't, we can't, we can't help. We, there's nothing mm -hmm. we can do. Yeah. There's nothing we can the do. Scandal. Does it hurt the sport or does it care? Cause you guys did so, you guys did such a great job. We're talking about the Peggy's, the Dorothy's, the Scott's, Brian, but the, the Brian's, mm -hmm. you did, you did such a great job of building up the sport. And then when the scandal happened in 94, was that something that destroyed the sport, destroyed the sport? It was, think it was the short program was funny because I had this really super complicated on camera mm -hmm. that was a one take on camera, you know, and it was super complicated I, and it was all to video. And I, you know, my brain is, it's just not, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. So, and I'm also not a television guy, right? So I had to figure out how to be a television guy. So right. we get through this whole really complicated on the, on the short program night when it was a circus. I mean, all the, uh, it, that, event the tanya nancy thing that event um it changed media forever and it pretty much unraveled the fabric that kept figure skating together and i'll explain why so everything was a circus 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 more about ratings more about this and Vern and i decided that we were going to treat it as a competition we we're going to cover the skaters because they've all worked so hard to be there they need to be honored so we're going to do that so i had this really complicated on camera i did it and i'm telling you you know how you, when you're so nervous, you can feel your temples pulse, you know, oh, yeah, and, you, yeah, yeah, and yeah. your arms, you know, you start to feel a sweat coming out. Yeah. It was one of those. And I got through it and I was like, oh, that was my Olympics. And um, the next morning we go back to watch practice for the long program. And uh, our producer comes out and he's like whistling a happy tune. I go, what's going on? He goes, uh, here's our rating. Here's our share. And I go, I don't care. It's yeah. like, what, what is, I mean, what does that mean? And he goes, well, let me break it down for you. Last night's short program was the fourth most watched television program in the history of television. Wow. And I'm like, uh, uh, you made it through though. <laughs> he goes, do you want to go, 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 go back and do that on camera again? I go, yeah. no. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was like that. But what happened was the leadership decided that they're now that they had this windfall of ratings and all this, they were going to use those ratings to, to negotiate new television deals. And they did of which those television deals had no capacity to ever like be, you couldn't remunerate those, right? You couldn't ever justify that level of money coming into a championship because there's not going to be that many eyeballs on the sport every year like there was in that Olympics. And so it was sort of a poison pill. Like by the end of those 10 year, it was $100 million for 10 years for these rights. The world championships and another $100, $100 million uh, for 10 years for the U.S. figure skating championships. I'll give you a guess. At the end of those 10 years, what did they renew at? Like if they were going to renew their television contract, where did they renew? What, By the way, I just level? wanted to disagree with you real quick yeah. in one Probably. capacity. You, in here, you are definitely the smartest person in the ah! <laughs> Because I mean, you're with, you're with no, us. But we're not, what he's trying to say is yeah. we're not members of Mensa, but we're willing to learn. Yeah, yeah, but it's just a guess. Like what would you think they'd renew at? Probably in the middle, right? Would you say, or would you... Zero. They went from 100 million to zero. 
It was a time buy. They had to go to a time buy because they uh. it was it was such a bad investment for for the networks that and not only that but some of the money that came in was used to turn keep skaters from ever turning professional. And so because nobody was really turning professional because they're making a lot of money now as competing, the Stars and Ice atrophied. All the shows, one of the big shows, Champions on Ice, absolutely just went away. And so it was in that wanting to control the entire sport, they didn't know that there was a delicate balance of professional and amateur skating. You're an amateur skater, you go out, you win, you're at the top of your game, and you go into the professionals with nothing. You've got to make it work. So you're going to turn into a marketing machine. You're going to be out there, you're going to be selling, selling, selling. And that's kind of what generated all that attention back into the sport. Because yeah, you watch Peggy Fleming for four minutes at an Olympic champion in 1968, but then for the next you know 20 years, you're watching her you know, skate on the end, holiday nice and on television specials and on commercials. That's it. And so when that no longer exists, yeah. the entire industry just crashed. Wow, so, okay. so it never became a moment where you would have to skate out and go, you know, when I'm skating, I love to eat Doritos. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Doritos are great cool Wait, ranch for Here's, skating. That's a, there an opportunity go. there. So, this is, so you probably, every, every, uh, um, every Olympics, you probably, especially at the Winter Olympics, you always get approached by, okay, let me ask you this. Cornflakes, Wheaties, gold medal, which of those three would you do again? Oh, metal. I mean, you know, it, it, after the Olympics, I was um, offered a, a major endorsement for little money, but it was credibility. Like, mm -hmm. you know, that if you get an endorsement, it's not just however you get paid for the endorsement. whatever it means, that could lead to. Yeah, or, and it's Q rating and all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was given a, it was an A-list company, gave me a, you know, a, sort of a little bump but we it don't would talk be about Arby's, though. But I, if I if I were to accept that, I couldn't do my fourth world championship. So because at the time it was still it now was between that's the Olympics though, right? and the worlds. It's between changed now. that's yeah, changed, totally now. changed yeah. now. Just like even in college sports. But how great of a feeling was that to be on the cover of Wheaties? Well, I wasn't actually. Oh, it you was, weren't. It was, no, a, was it a team I, thing? You know, here's the thing with male figure skating back then. It didn't really exist. I mean, there were great champions, but they, they'd they always go minimum wage to the, the ice shows. I didn't. I was it because I had those four-year run-up, and there was, there was a lot of more, there was a lot more interest in me, and the shows were kind of going back and forth, you know, wanting to make sure the other show didn't get yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. So they didn't really want me. They just didn't want the other show to get me. So I was able to do really well financially, and um, it was really ironic that in all of that, um, they they let me go because I wasn't a woman. And then I start Stars and Ice and then we're crushing it. They go out of business, which is, I, I always say out of passive aggression, they go out of business and Stars and Ice is just, they're, they're, to this day, we founded it in 1986 and it's still touring. It's you, insane. Yeah, it's wild, it's smaller now, but when you've got an Olympic champion, Nathan Chen, as your headliner, people are going to come. But aren't there a lot of offshoots of that, too, like <clears throat> Disney on Ices or the things The Disney that... on Ice, that, it's really wild, really wild. So the originals were like Ice Capades, and then, well, Sonia Henny Ice Review was kind of the, and that became Holiday on Ice, and then Ice Follies came out of Minneapolis, and then Ice Capades was, you know, a big part of, you know, Metro Media. This big, you know, so there was all these, like, and, and they were, Figuring out a way to make it work. Ice Capades had three companies touring 99 cities a year. Um, Disney was, a, what happened was, the Feld Company bought Holiday and Ice and Ice Follies, combined them, toured them as a combined show, and then launched out of that. They just 
Disney on Ice be out of those two shows. Mm-hmm. So now Disney has like 12 companies that are all over the world. Feld's doing really well. He's done great with the Disney brand. But there's, yeah, we can go to that. Mm-hmm. And That's then, um, <clears throat> but it's, it's different now because the, the shows that still exist are sort of Disney. Mm-hmm. You know, Stars and Ice is really small. There's some shows that, you know, exhibitions, things here and there, but it's, it's not nearly what it was back in the day when it was sort of a destination. So talking about now, mm-hmm. like you're still heavily involved, obviously, in the ice skating. Who now do you look at like this is going to be this person I love to watch or this is going to be great because I actually happened to live with uh, Marai mm-hmm. and uh, we did a Big Brother. Yeah. Celebrity oh, Big Brother yeah. together. Mariah, I couldn't believe she did that. She's way too, like, she'll cry at the drop of a hat. Yeah, well, you know what else, though, <laughs> you know, too, is... Like, I, one, I love Mariah. I respect her. It's just from like, day one, it was hard in the house anyways. Yeah. Well, they I, make it hard I kind of tried to go over to her and be like, listen... You have no, you're way out of your element right now. Yeah. Like, we've got Todd Bridges on here. Mm-hmm. We've got good housewives, real housewives. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, all these people live in this world. Yeah. You have never even seen oh. this world. Yeah. You have to be big. Yeah. Like, you have to be really strong. And I tried to watch out for her. And, you know, it kind of got weird. We're actually still friends again, though. Good. But, you know, it got weird. But of all these, like, you know, figure skaters, is it fun? Still to go in and go, man, look at this person. I love oh, this yeah. person. I mean, it's, it's, skating now, athletically especially, is, is it's huge. Yeah. And, you know, it's like an ex- example. Like, in my life, you know, we, I saw, I was at the Worlds where the first triple axles landed, right? So I figured, okay, we're breaking through. And then I was covering the Worlds where the first quad was landed. And I go, okay, now we're getting into quads. And then Nathan Chen did every takeoff except for axle of a quad, because an axle is another half revolution. So instead of doing four, you're doing four and a half. And I think, well, axle's going to be tough. Like, he's that's the gonna, most jumps, isn't he? He's, like, got, he's, he's yeah. an unbelievable... Oh, Nathan Chen. Yeah. So um, it's like, he's amazing. But, you know, you look at, you know, the, I got a video from Paul Wiley. Um, he was in Lake Placid, and he said, check this out. And it was this guy named Ilya Malinin, who's an American champion. And to show the opening of his program, I recognized the building being the field house, you know, um, at, at Lake Placid. And he comes around at the beginning of his program, and he lands a beautiful quadruple axle. Hmm. And I'm thinking, that was a, that was a competition. That's official. That's the first quad axle ever landed by anyone, and I got a video of it. And then I, it hit me all at once. I didn't see one person sitting in one seat in the stands. Everyone really? was like, It broke my heart. No, nobody was there. No, no one was, was there. there. No, Wait, one no one was there, there to see it. No one was there. Only, there was judges, but that was it. No one was there. And it just, it was like, wow. For a moment like that to happen in a cave, yeah. It just broke my heart. Now, is that kind of where skating's going, though? Like, it you, feels you can like see... it in a way, but... Do we need I... another storyline? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, what we need is, is uh, you know, I just think it just there's something where if you have enough of these great champions that just decide to create something that the public is looking for now. Right. Like, you know, and I always, I, I told the producer of Stars and Ice. You want to see like a... Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Some kind of... Ice uh, show would be amazing. I mean, you have that big production. You have pyro. You've got, you know, all the big production elements. And then you put skating around it like a Cirque type of thing. Mm-hmm. Big production skating. And people are trying to do it, but it's going to take that combination of star power and 
production level to really make it work. Maybe if they did like a TikTok during it or something. <laughs> <they> <laughs> would you think the popularity of the sport was so big back then because we had three networks? Yeah, it was it was much more appointment television mm -hmm. back then. And I do think that the Olympics back then is like, I can't wait. To, I got to get home. I got to get home. Yeah. I got to watch it. Now it's on 24 hours a day on five different networks to just to monetize the billion dollar television rights fee. And in that it waters it down quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And it's really, you know, the more something's out there, the less people value well, it. You think, like in 1980, uh, the 1980 Olympics, I mean, a lot of it wasn't televised. I mean, you, you, you mentioned Michael Ruzzioni in your book. Um, and I mean, <laughs> the captain of the U.S. Uh, hockey team, we didn't get to see that live. Yeah. We had to watch that on tape. Yeah. Do you think it, everything changed in 1984 because we realized that Somewhat, but we were in Yugoslavia, and so everything's going to be everything was tape delayed there as well. They mm -hmm. they they um, they tape it live to tape, and then they edit it, and then they they see, feed it up in segments to the satellite, and then they show it. Um, and it's you know by 5 a.m. in Yugoslavia, usually it's the end of the telecast in New York, so mm -hmm. it's kind of that you know. So it's it's still tape delayed. Now they've done it where we were in um, in Pyeongchang uh, for the Olympics. Uh, and they had all the all the figure skating events start at 9 a.m. So they'd be live to the United States. Oh, wow. Isn't that crazy? So that's that golden rule. Who has the gold right, makes, makes the, rules. the rules. Yeah. And it was, they decided figure skating had to be from 9 to and But is that didn't. also because we have a lot of the athletes there or a lot of the ones that they're... It's, it's all about rights fees. It's all about, there's a guy named Peter Diamond, who's the guy that um, does all of the scheduling for the Olympics. And he's done it for long enough to say, hey, we're putting in the most money here. We should have a, a lot more authority on when events happen so we can monetize them back. And we need to have figure skating live, live, live on, on our TVs. How, do, how does that affect <clears throat> like the skaters? Like, is it is it different if you know that the competition's at 8 o'clock in the morning oh, you compared prepare. to 8 o'clock at Abs night? Absolutely. You prepare. And a lot of those guys, you know, you just shift your schedule enough where you're doing your run through in the morning instead of the evening. You're doing a lot of your main skating is in the morning instead of at night and that way your body is kind of used to doing it that way and anytime you do anything you replicate sort of whatever the conditions are going to be in the competition you try to make that part of your training at home who, who do you think over the years of skating who do you think that never got the recognition that they deserved like who who was there that you were always like man this person is so great but they just never made it on that big stage or mm. the wrong thing would happen? That's a really, really good question. It, you know, it's hard to say because in, in kind of my, all my years, you know, everybody had a destination, right, where they would, they would kind of do things. I look at, like, um, I think somebody that kind of, it was tragic. I, she, she won a silver medal in 1980, but I think if she would have been a gold medalist, her life would have been much different was Linda Fradiani. Hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. I love Linda. And, um, you know, I, I look at, you know, it's just hard to say, you know, um, yeah, a lot of people, they, I, and I always, I've always felt like, doesn't matter what your results are at the Olympics, whatever that is, it's meant to bless you. Meaning that if, um, if, if you have a disastrous performance, to me, that's protection, right? Mm -hmm. You weren't supposed to step into that. Right. You know, because if you, if you did, you'd probably get swallowed whole. You were talking about Linda and, the, and how her life would have changed if she wouldn't. If Maybe. She I'm just saying possibly. Possibly. Yeah. But, um, She's doing great, by the way. We, we talk about you and, and Scott Hamilton. If you didn't win 
yeah, gold if I medal after silver, the, just four world champions in a I row. I wouldn't be sitting here right now. <laughs> you think about the path that you've you've gone down. Yeah. With your mother um, passing away from cancer in 1979 and mm-hmm. 77, she was diagnosed. But when we go to like, we're talking 20 years later when you were diagnosed. 26. It, yeah. It's it it put you on that path. All the things that happened to you, winning the gold, but you and not having that platform. And having the foundation that you have, I mean, you're an amazing philanthropist. You're, oh, thank you're, you. You're a heck of a motivational speaker. I'm thank reading. You. I'm, you got me to read. Ah, <laughs> and he can't read, <laughs> yeah, which is great. So it's easy. I can't read too yeah, good, yeah. but like, I, 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 do you think that your life would be, would be the same if you won the, the silver medal? Do you think your life would have been different if you just won maybe two out of the four um, national you world know, championships? I, 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 <laughs> I look at it all as, you know, this is all the Lord's provision. All of it's the Lord's provision. And I, I, I didn't think of it that way back then because I was in the heat of the moment just trying to figure out a way to win, 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 win. Thank you. forgot you. to ding the Lord. Yeah, big time, big time. We'll just keep doing this while I talk about this. <laughs> but it's like, it's all of that. It's like, there's a plan, right? Mm-hmm. And I look at, at some that, oh, they didn't quite get yeah. there. Like I, I, one, one, one that's really a great example of that is, is my, my dear friend, Brian Orser. Right? Yeah. Brian Orser. Canada. Right? Canada. Okay, wins a silver medal to me, but he won the short and he won the long. But my strategy was I'm going to go, if I'm top three in the figure, short, and long, I can't lose. I was first in the figure, second in the short, second in the long. No way I could lose the right. gold medal, right? So it's, it's an overall thing. He was eighth in the figures, first in the short. It was a tie, broken tie. It was really close. And then the long program, it was a clinic. He just threw it down. It was, it was really mm-hmm. ugly. And so he's second to me. And then four years later, he goes up against Brian Boitano, and he's second again to Brian Boitano. And I'm thinking, that's not fair. This guy, what he did in the sport and how excellent he was and how amazing he was, Boitano definitely deserved to win on the night. Absolutely. Um, phenomenal champion, phenomenal skater, phenomenal representative of the sport, everything. But what's really wild is Orser, great show skater, toured a long time, helped build Stars and Ice in Canada, went into coaching just to sort of help out Toronto uh, Cricket Curling and Skating Club. And um, he has three Olympic gold medals as a coach. Wow. So, no, who wins? Right. right. I got one. He's got three. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's like, so that to me, it's like, that was his path. That was his path. Mm-hmm. And so we can say that just about anyone. And in so many respects, we kind of are responsible for our own path. Right. So again, you consider Brian Orser to not have won the gold mm-hmm. and not to have been that Twice. guy. And maybe not, you know, even when you talk about him, you know, Brian Boitano, yourself, include, you say Brian Orser, you're like, oh, yeah, Brian Orser, yeah. you know, but, but in, in, in hindsight, it was actually better because now what he's doing, yeah. and that was his path. Yeah, like so, you, you know, it's like we won the battles, it's like he won the war, right? right? But, you know, however you want to put it, like, they were all wars, right? They were all, you know, but the way that he was able to take and leverage everything that he experienced to do something that no one else has done, really. Do you know what that made me think of was Dan Jensen. Um, yeah. yeah, Dan Jensen, the speed skater. The yeah. speed skater who, mm-hmm. who got up there Hold three on. times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dan's a big one. man in the world. What a great story. Yeah. And his sister dying from cancer. Yeah. And then him coming in and he He fell. comes to Nashville all the time. Is he really? Yeah. Gosh, man. Trying he's to get a good him to golfer. Move here. Yeah, he's oh, really good. Yeah, he's a big golfer. Well, his wife's a golf pro. Hello. Yeah. If your wife not, was a golf pro. Cheating. Yeah. That's cheating. Way cheating. His legs were like. No, he's just the best guy. And to see him fall. 
time after time knowing what a good man he is, yeah. it just shattered your heart. So we were doing all the all the craziness from the Tanya Nancy thing. Yeah. And um, I was watching the feed from the speed skating uh, oval and they had this really beautiful little Norwegian host, you know, mm. just blonde and blue and just so happy and da da da. <laughs> and she's like, we're here at the at Dan Jensen's final race. And, um, you know, the 500 is his race. The, you know, I think it was the 1500 was kind of like, he was good, but not great. Um, I should say he's great at the 500. He's almost great at the 1500. I think that was the way it went down. Anyway, so they're like, or is it 1,000? Anyway, he, um, they were doing the, the wrap-up, and he's like, so we're going to go out, and we just like, I want to just hear what, who, who people thinks are going to win today. And he goes, who do you want to win the gold medal today? Every single person in the arena with every single accent you could possibly imagine from all over the world said Dan, Dan Jansen. And when you have that many people... Push, pulling for you, it changes the energy in the room. I mean, everything changes. And he ended up winning the gold medal in his very last race where he, he could have won six, mm -hmm. right? But it was his last race, which makes that what like a, story a greater that story, right? It was 88 and then 92, 94. Is mm -hmm. that what it was? Yeah, gosh. I, I remember thinking about, we're all going, I don't want to watch. I don't want to see It's this the same with Lindsey yeah. Jacob Ellis. Same thing, mm -hmm. right? Hot dogging at the first year, does the big move, wipes out, doesn't, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. and then the next two Olympics, you know, just, it isn't there for her. And then now she's like 30 years old. And it's like the maturity, the experience, and everything else. She wins two Olympic gold medals. So it's now like do that. They, do they put on an amazing charity event every year like do yourself they have, does. Do they have the ability to do that? See, I've got a great team and I live in a great town and it's just, it's a long-term equity. I've done 28 of those shows mm -hmm. and just, I mean, the, the work with the people that I've been able to work with. Did you do with, more than one a year then? No, what I, well, yeah. 28 years? 28, no, it's, um, I did 28. So there were a couple years where I did one in uh, Cleveland and one in Knoxville. Ah, uh, gotcha. How did you get... You go from, you live in Ohio. Did you live in Denver or Colorado? I've been in Denver for 23 years. 23 years, wow. So how did you end up in Nashville? What was the, so what, what the change? So what happened was when I got cancer, I just decided, I, something in me just said, I gotta, I just gotta, I gotta move. I gotta, I gotta, so I loaded up my car and I just started driving. I did, I did a speech in Colorado Springs, I was living in Denver. And then I said, I've never been to New Mexico. I'm just gonna drive down there and see what happens. And so I drove to New Mexico um, and I go, well, this is, beige you know, it's beautiful <laughs> but it's like all right okay it's like a lot of terracotta it's kind of yeah, like that you know in, in um, vacation where they go to the grand canyon they go okay back yeah. in the car. <laughs> take the picture it was kind of, yeah. so i get back in the car and i was driving i go i'll go to tucson i got a friend there who runs la paloma resort so maybe i can you know get a good deal there and hang out there for a while until i figure out next steps on my way into um tucson I, I swerved to avoid an animal on the road and i spun out into the it was right in the middle of the day i spun out into this chain link fence and just that chain link it was a barbed wire fence and i just totally destroyed the whole car i was able to limp into tucson um and i said well i just need to get a i just need a, a what can i get the car fixed and they said no it's totaled and i go okay well can we can i give you the insurance money in the car and we can find something to replace it and they go yeah what do you want and i told them what i wanted and i go we'll call you when we find it so it was about a week or so later i get a call they said we found your car and I go, where is it? And they go, well, we're going to flatbed it over from Los Angeles. And I go, how much is that going to cost? And they said, about $1,000. And I said, how much is a Southwest airline plane ticket to Los Angeles? <laughs> and they said, $50. And I go, I think I'm going to do that. So I ended, up, <laughs> I ended up by accident in L.A. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm living in L.A. 
and I'm training there, and I'm working with this. I like uh, how you just jumped for I ended up back there. So I'm living in L.A. Nobody yeah. claims L.A. anymore. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. So I'm living in L.A., yeah. and it was a great, you know, and have you ever, you guys ever lived in L.A.? I lived in L.A., yeah. Okay, where, place, what part? I, um, I lived all over, but the uh, last place was Manhattan Beach. Okay, so you know, yeah. they're the tribes of Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So right. no city has anything in common with the city next no, door. right. So I was living, I kind of like on the, right there, Beverly Hills, Santa Monica. Oh, kinda, yeah. one of those. Come yeah, on. right, no, no. I found a little <laughs> apartment. I found a little apartment, and I was training at Culver City, rank yeah. right there. Yeah. And um, I get a call saying that, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger is doing a golf tournament at Sherwood Country Club, um, and uh, my manager uh, was partners with the manager of Wayne Gretzky. Mm. So Gr Wayne said, Why don't we need celebrities. Let Scott come up and play golf in this tournament. So I went up to Sherwood, and I, I played golf in the tournament. I was like, I'm looking around. I'm talking to the general manager. I was like, this place is spectacular. And he goes, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And I go, if I had all the money in the world, I'd join here. And he goes, well, wh wh where do you live? And I go, I live in Denver. And he goes... I'll be right back. Came back with an out-of-state membership packet with the prices on the back of his business card. And I looked at it and I go, oh, I can do that. Uh, <laughs> so he goes, welcome to Sherwood Country Club. Yeah. So I, I started spending a lot of time there. And um, like, you want to talk about name drop? Yeah. Holy cow. Oh, go ahead. There's no, that's no what we want to hear. No, no, we want to hear. No, I'm just, I don't have to name. You name and I'll tell you that they were there. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, you did say Arnold Schwarzenegger. It was mm -hmm. Maria Shriver there. Uh, no, but I know Maria. She was the one that did all my, um, Maria, I love Maria. She did uh, my interview when I came back from cancer. She was the interview. I wouldn't let anybody else talk to me but Maria. Wow, that's a good name, Jeffrey. Yeah, isn't that good? Yeah, okay, there's okay. more. Yeah, there's more. Uh, Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan. Okay, Ronald Reagan. I met Ronald Reagan on many occasions. He called me the day I won my gold medal. Yeah, it's I, oh, wait, wait, okay. To, what was that phone call like? It was really awkward because I was kind of like not available and Yo, he kept trying that? to call. Wait, are we talking about the actor? No, no, yeah, no. Yeah. The president, <laughs> I said, yeah, the president of the United States. So he got me on the phone and I hear this, hey, I, uh, and I was like, I'm talking to the president of the United uh -huh. States. And then we met Jimmy Carter like after the 80 Olympics, yeah, yeah. right? And I... You know, just it was crazy, and now I'm talking. But you got fifth place then. Yeah. So it's different being. But we one. went to the White House as a team. Oh, okay, right? okay, okay. And so we. But did they that. didn't talk to you as much because you were the fifth place. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just took a yeah. picture and got a hamburger and So I have a picture of the president. You know, that, and then <laughs> and then I went to the um, '84 games, and um, we had a breakfast with the president. We all took pictures together, and then he came to my hometown. To Toledo or Bowling, Bowling Green? Green because okay. he was campaigning for uh, George H.W. Bush for president, right? And so I got invited back to be a part of that. So I hung out with him a little bit there. And, and what an incredible man. And then... Um, George or Ronald? Ronald. Uh, Ronald. And then uh, George, the whole thing with George, they had this sports thing at the White House. And then I, was, I went to that and I was like, oh my God, everybody here is so famous and and we're all so we you know, do, everybody we lined up name drop george h bush right, right. Yeah. no but it's really wild so we're um so um i'll, I'll skip over reagan for a minute but um we're we're at the white house doing this white house sporting event right and we're all the little people are up front right so i'm standing next to mary lou retton and i'm standing next to all these like olympic gymnasts and everything and then they go uh, uh president bush we need to get you in the picture and he comes and he and he stands right here <laughs> 
And I just, and, and the only response was, it's tough to be a short man in a tall man's world. And he heard me say that, and he turned around and he goes, Scott, I'm so sorry, come right here. Uh, and I stood in front of him. Oh, it was wow. unbelievable. Like you were his kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, <laughs> was it crazy that he looked at you and knew your name? Yeah, was wasn't like, there a moment that you were like, you know me? Yeah, it was like, you know me. It was like, and it's like, what is that? All? And so you're processing that. And it was just one after another, after another, after another. And it was just, you know, it's like, and then we, we, um, we, we were doing Stars and Ice in Los Angeles. And it said, um, hey, you guys, um, we're going to shut down um, any practice for any guests or anything today. We have somebody coming, um, special guests. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Okay, fine. And so all these people came in through the tunnel in the corner. And then in came Ronald Reagan. And it was, he was in the throes of Alzheimer's, mm -hmm. and um, he looked amazing. And um, he was just with Nancy. No, Nancy He's wasn't there. He came with his grandchildren and his, and it was just, it was just so, just to be talking to him like this, mm -hmm. and he he was able to take in a little bit. But I could tell that he looked physically spectacular but he wasn't like it wasn't him he wasn't he wasn't the shell there. of himself yeah. Kind of, yeah and so i did a backflip right like five feet from him and it was like Ooh. on skates yeah it was really no that was just because he was, was there just, yeah <laughs> so it was just amazing you know just to have after those other previous experiences with him as the most powerful leader in the world to be sitting there speaking with this human being and it was just wonderful and and we went to, um, we got invited to his funeral um, at the Uregi Museum in Simi Valley. In Simi Valley, yeah. And so I, I was Wayne, just ask you that. Wayne Gretzky and I went together and we, we, we started dying laughing because we're, we're, it's not, you know, funerals aren't funny, but we're sitting there talking to Scott Bayo and Wayne Newton. So wow. Wayne and Scott are talking to Wayne and Scott. And we just thought that was the funniest thing ever. And so, you know, it's like when you keep crashing into people all over the place, it's really, and that particular destination at Sherwood, every, I, I, I can't think of anyone that I, I didn't get to know or get meet or whatever. And it was, what else, when you grew up in a little tiny little town in Ohio? No, it's like you live in a tiny little town in Ohio where, like, anyone like it comes through is where it's gray eight months out of the year. Yeah, yeah, it can be. Yeah, mm -hmm. but it's just like you don't have access to celebrities like that. And then, to, I can't think of anyone. I haven't really. Did you met. think that an adopted kid that was born in Toledo, Ohio, never on August twenty eighth, nineteen fifty eight, <laughs> to Ernest and Dorothy, mm -hmm. that you were going to? Uh, let's Ernest, get names. Ernest and Dorothy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, talk about that. You become a household name. No. Not only just in uh, American figure skating. To where the president, but, but president a, sees you. One of the greatest yeah. athletes of all time. It's just bizarre. It's really weird. It's just, you know, because it's like I can step aside because, you know, I, I'm with me all day. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, yeah. hey. <laughs> but when I'm I, annoyed with myself but, right yeah, now. I'm totally, 100%. <laughs> but it's just one of those things where, you know, it's like, why? Like, why? You know, and, and when I was training all those years, it was, um, and, and just go back, like, <laughs> when we do these shows in Vail, Colorado, President Ford would come every year, right? Gerald Ford. He's from, he's from Nebraska. Yeah. My home state. Yeah. Uh, actually, Michigan. <laughs> well, um, yeah. he was born in Omaha. Ah, there you go. Look at that. He takes anything he can Omaha, get. Yeah. We love Omaha. So it's just like, how, how does, like, how do I meet, like, every president since Carter, or no, since Ford? How do mm -hmm. I, how does that happen to me? 
Like, it doesn't make any sense. And then because of my love of music and the fact that I get into skating and all the, now I'm starting to like run into people like crazy, here's a trivia question. Who was the first person I introduced my wife to as my fiance? Oh, is it uh, Burt Reynolds. Rockstar? Definitely Burt Reynolds. No. Wait, the rock star? Mm. Mm. Music? Music? Mm -hmm. Oh, music. Steven Tyler. No. Oh, the man from Jersey, the boss? Yep. Oh! Wait, I, oh, are you serious? Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, we went. Now you cheated. Wait, wait, no. You cheated. No, I didn't. The day after I proposed marriage to Tracy, we were flying back to Denver, um, and there was a Springsteen concert that night. So we went, and we had, you know, because all our crew and everything, and I'd met Bruce on a few occasions. And so we're kind of off to the side, and they had every, all the uh, fans were back there, and it was his birthday, and he was tired, and it was altitude. And he's kind of walking through the tunnel, and he's waving everybody. And we're standing over way off to the side and then he looks up and he sees me and he comes walks right over to us and it's like oh and I go hey congratulate happy birthday and he goes thanks man it was great show he goes thanks I go I like us my fiance my fiance you're the first person I'm introducing Tracy to as my fiance wow. so, congratulations that's so great and I'm just thinking how in the world is this happening? But it's all that, right? Yeah, yeah. His mom used to come to the show all the time. She loved figure skating. Now, so, it's, were you afraid though when he started like going that this now your fiance and he starts singing "Born to Run"? <laughs> was that is that, that a sign? Like that would have been a really good sign. But uh, I'm glad I didn't. Wait, but, who was who did you introduce to your fiance for the first time? Uh, famous, famous or yeah, just famous in, person? Mm, I don't know. I probably couldn't tell you. I, I don't have Isn't a great wild? story it's like that. Just, but those are the weird stories, right? You yeah. know, um, and that's what this show's about, though. It, that's it, what we want to hear. That's what's great, right? So then on my 50th birthday, okay, which is really wild, 50th birthday, my wife um, decides to throw a surprise party for me, right? Where was it? It was, um, they wouldn't tell me. So she um, was in, working. In this, or in LA or here? Well, I was living here. Okay. So she and um, Brad and Kim Paisley were all planning my 50th birthday, right? Which is the greatest gift ever. I you love wrote a Brad. Book with him. Brad and Kim. Yeah, we I'll did. Yeah, that. he did the yeah. children's book with me. I love Brad and I love Kim. They're just amazing people. Anyway, they were doing this 50th birthday thing. So to throw me off, Brad met me for coffee to say, the girls have gone crazy. They've hijacked this thing. We're going to go to the spa somewhere in Chicago. It's just, it's not going to be any fun. I just want to let you know. And it's like, I don't care where we go. It'll be fun, no matter what. So we, we get in his plane, right? <laughs> Can we ding his plane? Ding, ding I think his that's plane. a name drop. And we get to, we start flying. We go, where are we going? He goes, I'm, we're not, we're going to Chicago. I told you we're going to Chicago. So we're in the plane for a while. It's like, we passed Chicago. And the sun's <laughs> on the wrong side yeah. of the plane for this. And, the, and he goes, okay, we're shutting all the, you know, things down. And we're in the plane for about three hours. And we landed. And um, I figured we've got to be maybe Colorado, maybe Vail, maybe Sun Valley. You know, something like that. And so they blindfold me. They walk me out they put me in this no car way. they drive me around it's like bumpy it's all this stuff the air was really hot and like dry it was hot and i go where are we and so they we pull up to this this we get out and i and i pull the the um the blindfold, blindfold off and i hear this surprise and it's like it's a surprise party oh my goodness and i pull and my the handkerchief the, the blindfold was so tight in my eyes it took me a while to clear but i saw every single person that had like something to do with my life 50 years of life. Wow. It was Vern Lundquist. It was Christian Gucci, all the stars and ice fan. It was, Vern Lundquist. Yeah, because he showed up oh, with yeah, his yeah. wife, right? So he's my broadcast partner. And it's like, 
And I look over, and, and there's my old neighbor, Meatloaf. And it's all this stuff, Who right? Who is now, yeah. or was here. And there's the, the former um, the Bruce uh, Jenner. And it was like, uh, it's all these people that from all over these things. And it's like, it was the most unbelievable. Kevin Nealon and uh, Eric Idle and all these like people that I adore. And they all showed up for my 50th birthday. And as a gift, David Fishoff gave me a spot in the rock and roll fantasy camp. Come on. And I was a rudiment drummer, right? So I get to go to the rock and roll fantasy camp. And I have so many stories from that camp, but it was um, the most amazing thing that I'm seeing all these, like all I listened, all I did was listen to music when I was skating. Mm -hmm. That was my best friend. Skating was just music. I'd buy every album that came out and, and I'd just listen and relax and listen and relax and I'd get inspired and it was just so fun to just to know every liner note and to know which song, which track, which on, on all the LPs and all this stuff. It was just a great hobby, right? And so I'm, I'm in this rock and roll fantasy camp, and there's Elliot Easton of Cars, you know, there's all these different, you know, ours, uh, yeah, yeah, ours, um, Remy Jaffe from the Wild Flowers. Wild Flowers, yeah, 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 yeah. He was my counselor. Oh, right. And okay. there's all these rock stars just everywhere, right? And it's just master classes where we go and we listen to all these people. And it was really funny. Max Weinberg from. Um, Max Weinberg, seven, mm -hmm. uh, Bruce Springsteen. Springsteen's yeah. band. He East said the band. worst day of his life was when he found out that his eight favorite drummers was Hal Blaine. So Hal Blaine played on every hit in the '67. He was Neil, um, John Denver's um, drummer, and and like he was doing a master class that day. So every drummer in L.A. was there, like from every band you could possibly ever imagine, and it was loud and it was awesome. And Taylor Hawkins, Dave Grohl, everybody, all, everybody was wow. there. Everybody, Stuart was there. Copeland. Yeah, it was. No, he wasn't there, but it was like <laughs> um, we got to do all this. But it was really wild that the next day they had a master class with Todd Rundgren. Right, who has a huge fan of Todd Rundgren, and he was talking about producing "Bad Out of Hell," mm -hmm. all these different things. Like, oh, that's really cool. And so, they go from room to room, and you play a song for them, and they, you know, they like give you some acknowledgement or some tips or whatever how to make it better. And we were doing um, a song called "Ticket to Ride," a Beatles song, mm -hmm. and um, <coughs> and um, we we only had two rhythm guitar players and then two keyboarders, of, you know, and they're all from different walks of life. And if you know the song, nar, 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 mm -hmm. we need a lead guitar player. So Todd Rundgren's standing there. They go, anybody have a question for Mr. Rundgren? I go, I do. And they go, Scott, what's your question? I go, will you be our lead guitar player in our gig at Whiskey A Go Go? And he goes, no. What do you plan? I go, ticket to ride. And he goes, sure. So um, Todd Rundgren was my guitar player. <laughs> anyway, so That's then they didn't, the next day was really fun because they had Steven Tyler came through because we're doing an Aerosmith thing, right? And um, he walks in with this really young girl, it's his girlfriend, and she's just looking at you know, all the guys and she looks at me and she goes, you just got it. <laughs> and I went, and she goes, <laughs> she's like, you got rock stars she's and a like, skater. She, she runs across the room and she's hugging me and Steven Tyler's like, what is going on? And so uh, we played um, uh, Crying, we, you know, that was our song. And then um, at the end, we were all taking a picture, and um, I was standing next to his girlfriend, and then he came and slipped between us mm -hmm. um, and took a picture with us. And, and then we're practicing, and, um, and David uh, uh, came in, and he said, uh, David Fishhawk came in, and he said, hey, um, uh, oh, my goodness, it just went um uh, bass player for Guns N' Roses, um, just Duff, uh, Duff McKagan. Uh, sorry, I'm just, too much chemo and radiation. Um, he goes, Duff wants to say hi. And it's like, why? <laughs> 
And so I walk out, and there's Duff, and he's got his sunglasses on. He's got all the drip, the rock and roll drip on. It's just looking cool. And he goes, I can't drip. believe, I can't believe this is the first time I'm meeting you. I can't believe it. And I go, why? <laughs> I'm so overwhelmed. He goes, I married a girl from Bowling Green, Ohio. We're there all the time. It's no like, wow, kidding. that's crazy. That's I married crazy. a girl from Columbus, Ohio. So there you go. Close so tell me, this... Like, like he keeps going back to the, you know, as a kid, this moment to me seems like the moment that you were like, as much as you loved rock music, as much as you love music, and you always said, I want to make, I want to be a rock star. I want to mm -hmm. be a rock star on ice. I mean, if this isn't a time where you're like, I, I think you're bigger than a rock star. If the rock stars are coming to oh, you. Oh man, no, it's, it's, I think a lot of it was. There, there's so many really wonderful little accidents that happened along the way that just put me in a really cool position to do really fun things. Um, but it was longevity. And that's, mm -hmm. I mean, once, you, once you're... No shelf life. It, it's like, yeah, I didn't think I had any shelf life. I, I toured for 20 years. And when you tour for 20 years and you do television specials and Christmas campaigns for major corporations and you're doing all these things, at the time it makes sense. But then when you look back, it's like, I, I have no idea how any of that happened. None. It just doesn't. But it's like, it must be the longevity. Over time, you build trust. Over time, you build kind of a war chest of familiarity. Well, you think about everything. But you know what? Here's a really funny thing. You're going to love this. All right. Here's the great thing. So when I first started touring as a professional, I would look out the curtain, right? And I'd just see how many people were in the audience and kind of mm -hmm. like, is there a buzz? Are they excited? You know, whatever. And I'd always see a guy sitting next to his wife with his arms folded, you know, kind of checking his watch. Going, That's oh. the guy. Oh, man. I don't know. No, my, the total buzzkill. Like, no, it's just like, no, it's like this guy is underserved. This guy is like, I, I need to win him over. That's the guy you play for. That's the guy. So my, like, out of that, I tried to build everything I could to earn the respect of every man in the audience because I knew the women were going to love it because they love figure skating. And so if I said, if I can get a guy, if I can get those guys on their feet, I can skate for as long as I this want. This sounds eerily familiar. Yeah. For some reason, there seems like a correlation when, you know, we're going out on stage and there's, you know, thousands of screaming girls and yeah. stuff. And I did that. I knew the minute you started that that's where you're going with that. That's that's who you're playing. Well, that's who you're trying to win over, over the most. The most. Because the, your fans that's are going to love you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, he, I play, he, he won was, him over. Like this and like, <laughs> but I'm you're always process. like this. Yeah. Same part. hat, same, same shirt, hat. everything. Yeah, yeah just yeah, you want me over. Yeah, reminiscing. So, so what happens now is I'll be at Nashville Airport and some guy will walk up to me and he goes, hey, you that skater? And I go, yes, sir. And he goes, I don't, I'm not a skating fan. Yeah, sorry. right, right. My wife loves it. Can, do you right. mind if I go get my wife and introduce her? To you, and I go, I'd love that, that'd be great. So, this guy goes and gets his wife, and he goes, Honey, look who I found. And she looks at me and she goes, Who's that? <laughs> how about so you know the other guy's a fan? Win, yeah, yeah about, that's how about awesome. If a guy comes up to you with a picture of you or something, or he goes, Hey, or or just anything, he goes, Oh my god, it's got him. Would you sign this? I mean, I'm not a this is actually for my sister. You're like, Oh, what's your sister's name, Ben? <laughs> 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 no, it's just, it's really, you know, I mean, it's, but it's all how, it's the same reason, like, when, when we like something, like, mm -hmm. whether it be music or the arts or anything else, it's really wild that when you, when you meet someone that is, like, that is familiar to you or, you know, it's that whole name dropping thing, right? But it, it's like one of those things where if you, if you're ever in a position where you can actually 
meet some someone that you've enjoyed and interact with them and thank them it's really kind of a a cool thing like a really cool thing and you know it's like of all my heroes there's only there's one i've got ptsd over and um he was the nicest the nicest man i like the, the, the whole thing is there's the elevator bank and the elevators yeah. at the cleveland um the cleveland ritz carlton hotel is where you'll meet rock stars like all the time and um, met a lot of them there. I held the elevator, the elevator one time, and it was um, it was Tom Hamilton and Joe Kramer from Aerosmith. Aerosmith. Got, got in the elevator with me. It's like, oh hi. And then I got off the elevator one time. It was Tom Hanks was you know mm. sitting in the lobby. And it's like all you know. So I got in the elevator one time, and I told you my three heroes, right? Springsteen, who I gotten to know, um, Neil Diamond, who I've gotten to know. That's cool. And then That's I get in the elevator. Know. And it's Robert Plant is in the elevator. Oh. And I go, you're Robert Plant. And he goes, oh, yes, hi, it's nice to meet you. And I go, I'm Scott Hamilton. I've just been, and I just, I blew it. Like, oh. I, I, I just, <laughs> no, I couldn't stop talking. And I was saying all these things that were coming out of my mouth. I was like, well, who are you? What are you, what are you doing? It's like, this isn't who, I was so excited to meet him that I actually, like, I, I, like I'm starting to, like, sweat a little bit, just, talking about, about it. it and it was so uncomfortable and I could tell that he was just trying to help me out and he couldn't like I was I just he couldn't he he's the most lovely gentleman ever and I because of the way he approached his craft it m helped me approach my craft you know in a way of being brave and not wanting to go back to the same stuff and all this stuff. and I just I blew it and I was I walked out of there going I can't I I I can't believe that happened. That's just, that was terrible. I'm so sorry. I just, I wish I could apologize to him. And then I'm in Whole Foods in Green Hills, right? And I'm walking over by the deli aisle where the cheeses are. Tommy and, Shaw. And no, Robert Plant is walking straight oh. towards me. And I didn't make eye contact. I just oh, kept No, moving. you didn't say Anything. No, I couldn't. Oh, no, I couldn't. Oh my God. I, I couldn't. Oh my God. No, because I blew it so bad the last time. Oh, but time. you had redemption. That was your redemption. No, I would have done the same thing oh. again. And I just kept walking. And, and these two guys were standing over there and they were like, oh. and they were just like, their mouths were open, their eyes were wide open. And I went over, I walked by them, I go, he just can't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you if, feel like that helps you oh, though? Man. Because now you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally. If uh, you see someone yeah. come up to you, yeah. and and they're just like speaking so gibberish, sympathetic, so sympathetic, and they're so like, oh yeah. my god, and yeah. they start saying things. Yeah. You. So what happened after that? that? I get in my car. This is two years after I threw up all over him in the elevator. Basically, I didn't mm -hmm. literally not physically back into him. So I, <laughs> I I passed him in Whole Foods, and I I get in my car, and I'm like, whew, okay, that. Whew. And I call my wife, and I all I said was, "You'll never guess what I just survived." <laughs> right? And and she said, "You saw Robert Plant." And I no, go, yes, she, she knew. knew. Two years later, after wow. the initial crime, and so I've always wanted to kind of figure out. And maybe this podcast, maybe if he hears it, he, he might I was just go. Say he listens Robert, and watches. Yeah. Scott, I'm willing to forgive you for that, and I appreciate <laughs> that you've enjoyed my craft all these years. And he's a lovely gentleman, and and um, but yeah, there's sometimes it just doesn't go. Isn't well. that one thing you love about Nashville, though? The fact that. You can go out and, you know, I always tell my wife, I'm like, it's funny here. You know, we've been here eight, nine years now. And I'm like, the funny thing about being here is there's a saying by the people that live here. And they'll come up to me. You know, they'll be like, hey, listen. But they always started off with, 
I know we're not supposed to do this, but Mm -hmm. because there's that cool aura of running into Robert Plant. We ran into Tommy Shaw at Costco. I love Tommy. He's done a couple of the shows at Bridgestone with me, and and I love it. He did the Cleveland show with me, and I run into him at the airport. He's just the sweetest, kindest, most humble person you'll ever meet. Most approachable rock star I think I've ever known. I think I met the most approachable rock star and that'll be yeah. It. Oh, for sure. I, I would say this: like out, out of all the people that we've had an opportunity to meet, not, and not to say anything against them, but I've been looking forward to this the most. Oh, we've thank probably you. Probably dropped the most names on this one. Isn't that here. fun? But it's coming full circle too, because like um, you coming from Bowling Green, Ohio, and everything that you just did. If it wasn't for your success, you wouldn't have been able to build this path that you're on. You would have never met Tracy. You yeah. know, if, if Ernest and Dorothy didn't raise this mm-hmm. kid to, to be the man that you are today, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have these foundations. You wouldn't be able to have done Stars on Ice. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have been able to write mm-hmm. the, the You wouldn't get to be the mayor, the yeah. mayor of Nashville. Everyone knows Everybody. you and loves you. Yeah. And, and it's oh, been a, a, an absolute pleasure to have you on Name How Talk. can you sing? I can't. Okay. That's Even why better. I bring in really good singers. <laughs> <laughs> Even better, because... We, uh, we got a pitch fight for you. Oh, nice. How's this even? Oh, thank you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You can take that home with this. Oh, thank this you. Is, this helps. Yeah. So. I wouldn't know how to use it, but I'll figure it out. You're going to one end, you're gonna have to sing with us right so now. Sing. So this is... Uh, we're, we're singing with a boy band member. It's easy. It's easy. It's just name drop. Name drop. Hey, finally, you get it on to name drop. Yeah, that's it. Okay. That's it. Ready? Now we do it all at the same time. Yeah, we do it in sync. Yeah. <laughs> now who's gonna count it down? <laughs> Ready? Six, seven, yeah. eight. One, One two, two, three. Name drop. A Huda Media Production.